Yes, welcome in one and all to the NFL at Full 10 Yards podcast. I'm your host for tonight, Timothy Lambert-Monk. We're going to recap the weekend's action and take a little look at the playoff fallout. So strap yourselves in and uh, enjoy the ride. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all game. Stay cool, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, stood in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Touchdown, indeed. There is a reason why I'm in the hot seat tonight. And uh, although you can see Mr. Blundell, obviously, to the left-hand or right-hand side of me, depends if you're watching in a mirror or not. I don't know if that's what you like to do. Yeah, that way, I don't know. Um, but that's uh, not, not just because Sean started his new job today and spent most of it watching NFL and 60, he told me. Um, it's, it's just so that we don't have a, a podcast dominated uh, by the, the Cleveland Browns and, and obviously Kieran for the New England Patriots and whatever whatever tunnel Mr. Retro wants to to, to take us down. But that aside, uh, Sean, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. And uh, thanks for sharing the joys of my first day back at work. So, yeah, it was uh, very nice this morning to set the alarm, knowing that uh, the Browns are at 9-3. and three. We'll talk about that plenty, but uh, all joking aside, just a big thank you to, to you in particular, mate, over the last few months. Uh, you and the boys here at Full 10 Yards have kept me going. Uh, it's been a strange experience being out of work. Big shout out to my best friend Rachel as well, who I know he's watching along. She's uh, kept my spirits up throughout as well. Um, it's been a tough old time, but yeah, back at work, back in the saddle. Um, didn't think I'd find a job that I could watch NFL for most of the afternoon, but you know, I seem to have obviously landed on the perfect one, mate. So mm. bring it on. Looking forward to. Just, just one not watch anymore. You'd be Scott Han- Scott Hansen seven hours of uh, commercial free <laughs> football, wouldn't you? Um, Absolutely. Um, joining us in the huddle, as always, is Mr. Retro. Uh, like he said before the podcast, he wants to get out of his sharpest, but he took us down a me- memory lane uh, just before we came on. So that's why we're a minute late. But Mr. Retro, uh, Lawrence, um, I-, I wonder why you want to get out of here early tonight, because Baltimore are playing tomorrow. They're not playing tonight, you know that, don't you? I've, I've still got some love. I've still got some love. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. Look, and there's me Ravens top in the background. So, <laughs> yeah. You, more, you, more, you have more full, fickle full consent to call me fickle, but yeah. I'm I'm having fun at the moment. I got 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 both my teams um, still to watch this week, so it's pretty pretty bizarre feeling. Just wanted to say something very very random, um, as as I've never done before anything random. Um, my personal highlight of the weekend that's just been wasn't actually anything NFL. It was Liam Gallagher trying to pick a fight with the London Eye. I don't know. I don't know if you, any of you saw. He did a, a concert on a on a boat, travelling down the River Thames, and he he gets kind of he gets to the London Eye, which is all lit. It's all dark. It's all the London Eye is lit up pink, and he and he goes up to the London Eye and goes, "A hey, lit up, round, off." <laughs> He's picking a fight with the London Eye. Only Liam Gallagher. He's going to pick a fight with a London Eye. So that absolutely made my weekend. But we'll, we'll go back to football now. Yeah, I've literally no idea anything you're talking about. But anyway, the only thing I know about that is the high-flying birds or something. Anyway, but anyway we, 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 that's not for this podcast, that's for something else. Uh, and then as you can see, bottom right-hand corner of your screen, uh, Kieran Patson, uh, happy once again. Um, we'll get to the Patriots later, but how are you doing? I'll, I'll introduce myself with a question. What's undrafted? The defensive player of the year this year and has seven consecutive picks. Anyone know? You might have mentioned it, mate. You might have mentioned it. 
There's only one JC Jackson, my friends. What a weekend. There we go. Let's say bring in, bring in the fire, bring in the energy. That's why we love him on this show. But like I say, we are going to be going all the way through uh, the, the week 13 action and have a look at the playoff ramifications. So let's start off then in the AFC. One of the bigger games, obviously the uh, one of the first ones on Sky Sports, Browns and Titans. I've put in brackets here, Sean, six minutes for total. Um, so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we won't be here in an hour's time. But uh, obviously the main story from this one, Baker and the Browns cooking in the first half, uh, 38 points on at the board break it all down for us yeah i mean to be fair you know we have a bit of a laugh and a joke about it in terms of the long suffering of the brains fans but i've got to be honest it's an absolutely amazing thing for me to be involved with this because there's such a group of us that are all in the exact same situation we've followed the brains for years and i'm talking to people we've followed them 11 10 12 20 years and people have never seen a start like this so you have to you know excuse my excitement a little bit fellas because i just don't know how to react to this but in terms of this game itself um i previewed it on a um, titans podcast and i said for the brains to win they need to get up early take derrick henry out of the game and essentially play with scoreboard pressure not in my wildest dreams did I think we would be 38 points to seven up at half time. And Derrick Henry was basically a non factor in this ball game. It was just perfect offensively. You know, scored, drive, scored on every single drive they had in the first half. Um, dropped a would be touchdown on the opening drive of the game, and that's a settle for three points. But Donovan Peoples Jones dropped a, a surefire touchdown. Possibly got a lucky break then with a generous spot it's got to be said from the officials on a fourth and one derrick henry one of those probably wasn't the greatest of camera angles if anything the camera angle made it look more like the the line to gain was reached but the browns took full advantage of that march down the field trick plays involved jarvis landry throwing the football again to to baker mayfield uh, and then mayfield returning the honor uh, to get jarvis's second uh, consecutive week with a touchdown Came back then, um, you know, with another score. Um, you know, it, it was just every time they got the ball, you just thought, they're going to score. They just looked completely unstoppable, and they weren't even doing it with the ground game. As you said, Tim, it was all Baker Mayfield. The Titans absolutely sold out to stop the run, and Mayfield just tore them apart. The question has been for the last few weeks, can the Browns get it done on the arm of Baker Mayfield and you know it's only one week but if you were looking for the answers to that question and you were basing on what you saw yesterday then the answer categorically is absolutely they can get it done the second touchdown of the day was a big man touchdown to Kendall Lam. you know again another sort of gadget play if you like apparently he was only installed into the offense this week everybody sold out on the road and I mean that the actual if you actually watch Baker Mayfield complete play action, he, he, he confuses everybody, he confuses the cameraman quite often. Nick Chubb sold it really well, also diving over a pile of linemen that was absolutely nowhere near the ball, and Kendall Lawn snuck out the back door and was found. Um, we then had a, a sort of long Titans drive that was very explosive, a couple of plays, huge one to AJ Brown, who, you know, that was probably the only significant play he had on the day. Um, you know, but high pointed the ball um, that covered about 40 odd yards and then the very next play I think AJ Brown was actually the intended receiver but he fell down um, and they found Corey Davis in the back of the end zone on a nice play and all of a sudden you thought, oh, hang on, yeah, suddenly the, the, you had the tones are clicking here but the very next play from scrimmage everybody was basically in on pass protection apart from one receiver in the route 
double move, looked like it was going to be an outright, and then he turned it upfield, and, and Donovan Peoples-Jones trotted for 75 yards, untouched, nobody anywhere near him, and, and the Browns just didn't look back from there. You know, the, Rashad Higgins scored the next one, Nick Chubb added one on the ground, and like I say, it was 38-7 at the half. Um, a lot of people are going to probably make a lot of fuss about the second half. If you look at the final score, it was 41-35, to and people are going to turn around and say, well, Cleveland capitulated in the second half. They were just about clinging on come the end of it. And the school board would suggest that, but don't let that fool you. This was a comfortable Cleveland win. The second half, they really were their own worst enemy. Most of the drive started with a penalty. Um, you know, and that essentially made it difficult. They were obviously a lot more conservative with their play calls in the second half, as you would expect. But they still moved the ball relatively well and um, there wasn't any real major concerns the titans still struggled you know to sort of move it with consistency and actually 14 of those titans points that are on the scoreboard came in the last minute and a half yes i know they all count but like i said this really was a comfortable cleveland victory everybody said moving into this the browns have beaten nobody everybody said they hadn't had a statement win well i would argue they beat the indianapolis colts which Looks like a good win. Um, certainly now, if this was supposedly a really difficult game headed in, this is a significant win. And whether people want to believe it or not, and I appreciate that you've still obviously got the Bills to play tonight, who could move to 9-3, the Cleveland Browns have got the third best record in the league. They've got the third best record in the AFC, and it's only because of the fact that obviously we're in the same division as the Steelers, who obviously are unbeaten, and that's why we're obviously still battling, if you like, to secure a playoff spot. But in most divisions, 9-3 and three would be comfortably in the lead, and I think people would be giving the Browns a lot more credit than what they're actually being given credit for. Now, you know, mm -hmm. we've now swept the AFC South, we've swept the NFC East, Oops, well, apologies, we've still got the Giants to play in the NFC East, and that is looking like a more tricky game than it possibly did on paper a few weeks ago. We'll talk about them later, but that defence is playing well, but... You know, there is still a game against the New York Jets on the schedule, and I've said you can pretty much chalk that one up. Yes, I appreciate you've got to play the game, and who knows, but let's face it, everybody, I think, would be sort of assuming that that gets the Browns to 10 wins. Even if they don't win any other games, they've got tie breaks over the Colts. They've got tie breaks now over the Titans. The only team they don't have a tie break against is the Raiders, because the Raiders won that head-to-head -head game, but bear in mind, if the Browns win one more, the Raiders need to win at least three. Um, I've got all the fixtures here. I don't know if you want me to run through that now, Tim, because obviously we're at the playoff picture or you're going to come back in on that. But that is favourable to the Browns as well. Um, you know, So all things looking rosy. In, t in terms of Tennessee, they still lead the division. Um, in terms of tiebreakers with the Colts, the records are now tied at eight and four. And obviously that's going to be a scrap for the next few weeks to figure out who's going to end up playing who. But, you know, certainly from a Cleveland perspective, great performance. Um, you know, great to get Miles Garrett back in the lineup. You know, he, um, you know, had another sack yesterday. You know, it was a constant menace. You know, was you know, questionable in terms of the officiating. You know, I tweeted something there where he was basically having his face mask ripped off and it wasn't called. It was fairly blatant and that seemed to be a, th a theme throughout the game. But, um all things certainly, like I say, pointing in, in a positive direction for the Browns. And uh, if your Cowboys can win tomorrow night, man, do us a favour. That'll be much appreciated. 
Uh, yeah, don't don't make it. Um, yeah, like I say Browns Browns fans all over Twitter peacocking like a, an, ost- an ostentation of peacocks. And why is it an ostentation? Because I looked up Google and what I I googled what is a group of peacocks called. But there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean if that's a good yeah, I suppose you'll be happy because I'm googling what is a group of peacocks called. <laughs> the Browns are, Browns are doing well. So there we go. Yeah, but Browns Browns Twitter uh, more than happy. But obviously we've got ramifications on the other side of that. Obviously with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, uh, losing Sean uh, Colts obviously squeaking past the Texans uh, a lot a lot, cl- a lot closer than um, many people were probably, probably thinking going into that game I know uh, on, on the betting pod obviously I had the uh, the Colts on, on the handicap but it wasn't until Deshaun Watson on the final drive uh, for Houston kind of sealed the deal uh, for the for the Colts on that one uh, T.Y. T- T- Hilton turning back the clock in probably what be his best game for the season until they play probably in about two weeks time uh, eight receptions 110 yards and obviously the first uh, the first first touchdown scorer on that one I think it was the first touchdown score in red zone as well if anyone had you know uh i can't remember but anyway um yeah obviously the, the ramifications of that is that the uh, the titans and the, t- uh, the titans and the, the colts obviously still now battling out for for that fourth seed so as a as a, as a current fifth seed sean it's probably looking likely that you will be the fifth seed who, who would you who would you fancy is is taking on in an away game in january you know it looks to be between the bills the colts and the titans uh is there any particular one that you would like or is it just a case of oh you know sod it we're in the playoffs we've not been here for god knows how long and uh just just give me who you got because i say you've got the you've got the head-to-heads over the colts and the titans and um I can't. Even, I don't think you've played the Bills this year, but um, I, don't, I don't know if it's a particular team you fancy, or if you'll just you'll take on anyone. I think it is just that might take on anybody. To be completely honest, you know, I'm, I've not allowed myself to get too carried away. I'm pretty much thinking that we're there now, but we still obviously haven't got it signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, it's frustrating because in a lot of years, nine wins would probably get you in, and here we are at nine wins, and still aren't quite sure. Um, I'd honestly take anybody. Um, I don't think, and, and I, I sort of said this in jest last Wednesday when I watched the Steelers and the Ravens. That was an awful game, and I know it was a lot to do with the disruption and the players that were playing in that game, but the Cleveland Browns are probably, on current form, as good as anybody in that AFC North, as far as I'm concerned. That might be slightly biased, but I'm sorry. I know the Steelers are 11 and 0. They seem to be getting a pass for the same schedule that the Browns are getting criticised for beating. Everyone's raving about the Steelers being 11 and other. They've played effectively the same teams. Um, you know, and I don't think they've been particularly impressive over the last few weeks. Yes, they've got the job done. Um, the only team that I really fear in the AFC is the Chiefs. I think they are head and shoulders the best team in the AFC. Um, however, with that being said, they were pushed close yesterday by the Broncos. So that's the beauty of the NFL, isn't it? Any given Sunday, anybody could beat anybody, you know, it was perfect for Cleveland yesterday, like I said. The game plan couldn't have gone any better. You know, like I said, take Derrick Henry out of the game. And effectively, that really limited what Tennessee could do. Yes, they've beaten Indianapolis early in the year. Does that give me any confidence that they'll go and do it again? It'll be another Sunday. It'll be a different ball game altogether. So let's get there first and foremost. I'll take on anybody. Like I said, to be honest, I was delighted last week that we couldn't lose this season. I'm thrilled this week that now we've got a winning season. If I can celebrate next week that we're there, I'll take that. And then, like I say, whatever happens from there, we'll take it from there. 
Yep. Okay. Take it from there. Indeed, two teams that are going to be taking it all the way down to the wire for the number one seed in the NFC. That's a, that's a professional link there, isn't it? Uh, the New Orleans Saints and the Green Bay Packers. Lawrence, obviously, Saints beating the Falcons in this one. No, uh, a couple of passing touchdowns from Texan Hill, uh, which I know you commented on. I can't remember if it was our WhatsApp group or on Twitter. Uh, I think it was on Twitter, actually, because I remember it. And then 21 uh, 60 in the final in this one. Uh, the Falcons nearly coming back, though. Yeah, I mean, if we kind of just come back to the start of this one. So looking at that win streak, it's only just behind the Steelers. So that's nine wins in a row now for the Saints, including three consecutive under the leadership of Taysom Hill. And I'm waiting for the collective boos from my fellow podcasters because <laughs> I know you haven't got any love for Taysom Hill, but I actually have a little bit of love for him, surprisingly. Um, I mean, don't forget, this is a Saints defence that until the Falcons scored their touchdown in the fourth quarter, um, that hookup between Matt Ryan and Russell Gage, New Orleans hadn't allowed a touchdown since Nick Mullins threw one um, on the 15th of November. So they'd gone 14 quarters without conceding a touchdown. Um, so it's not just Taysom Hill kind of just about dragging them through. It's that number one defence. We're talking about the Steelers' defence. It's getting all the headlines, but the Saints' defence has been playing pretty much lights out for the last month. Um, and yes, Tim, hell did clearly freeze over. Taysom Hill and his, his milky white guns through not one, but two touchdown passes. Um, and yes, we all know that famously it's the first one that he's thrown since 2016, since he was at college. But, you know, let's all calm down. It's more important that he's taking the Saints to three wins than how many touchdown passes he's thrown. That's immaterial if the team keeps winning and they're maintaining their, their number one seed at the moment. Um, Taysom had, I think he had uh, a pretty decent game. 27 out of 37, 232 yards, zero interceptions, only got sacked twice, managed to run the ball quite successfully. And it, yes, it's a bit of a magical mystery tour, kind of one Taysom Hill drops back but that's kind of you know it's entertaining he doesn't make too many mistakes um and i think that's that's what's kind of holding him through at the moment um his second touchdown was to jared cook who's had not exactly a brilliant season but it was nice to see jared cook getting a getting a touchdown and the saints they kind of extended their their lead that they had at half time Early in the third, decent drive. Alvin Kamara runs up from 11 yards away. Kamara was held to under 100 yards total offense again. And, and I think that's pretty much killed off his MVP type opportunity for this season. Um, if Drew Brees would have still been throwing to him, it's very possible that he would have been in that MVP race. But I think because of the way the game plans played out, he's he's no longer in that, that MVP running. Um and, and yeah, with a 12-point lead, the Saints should have absolutely finished off the Falcons. But somehow, Matt Ryan and getting Julio, Julio Jones back was great. Calvin Ridley had quite a big game, had some nice catches. And then Russell Gage gets that score. It's 21-16. Things are suddenly closing up. And then Julio has the chance to get the winning touchdown. But the ball comes off his fingertips in the end zone. Really exceptional coverage from the Saints safety. Great, great piece of individual coverage. And even even then, the the Saints had to punt again and the Falcons got the ball left with a few seconds left. 
Matt Ryan tries a Hail Mary, but it, you know, it was a bit Brad Bobbly in the end zone and no one ended up catching it. And, and that was all she wrote. So that's the, that's the Saints and Falcons game. Hmm. And then we talk about the other top seeds. The... Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to the Green Bay Packers, did anyone else notice that, that Lawrence called uh, Mr. Jones, Julio Julio Jones? I didn't know his middle name was, uh, I didn't know his middle name was Julio. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, sorry, go, go on. Green, Green, obviously, Green Bay beat, beating Philly, um, Lawrence. The, obviously, the big story, we'll, we'll get to a bit later on in the podcast about Wentz being benched uh, 6 to 15. He didn't even get to 100 yards. Uh, obviously, Aaron Jones kind of sealing it. Uh, he was quite close towards the end there. Uh, long Aaron Jones runs sealing it. Um, another touchdown for Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers obviously hits the 400 club. Uh, talk, talk us through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was watching this on, on my wall. So it was my, it was my wall game. It was my kind of second window wall game. So that's that's kind of normally reserved, you know, for the game I'm looking forward to the most. So that was it was it was a fun game, um, if you're a Packers fan that is. And then then yeah, it suddenly started getting interesting um in the second half. I mean I I have to admit I took absolutely immense pleasure watching Carson Wentz continue to stink. Six out of 15, 75, 79 yards, sacked four times He's joined the the fifty club now. He's been sacked fifty times this season, just which is just goddamn awful. Um, his previous high in terms of being sacked was was last season um, when he was down thirty seven times in sixteen games, and he's now managed to do that in in a lot less. Um, and prior to this season, you know, we, we've got to just remember that in terms of his interceptions, he's leading the league in interceptions with fifteen. Um, even more than Drew Locke, which is, you know, a bit of a shock. Um, but in the last three seasons beforehand, went through seven, seven and seven interceptions. So he he's, hasn't even got anywhere near 10 interceptions in his previous three seasons. So something's clearly wrong with him. Um, and, you know, by comparison, if you look at the amount of interceptions thrown by Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers and Ryan Tannehill put together between the three of them, they have thrown 11 interceptions in 1,200 pass attempts between them. So that is how horrendously bad Carson Wentz is playing at the moment. And then it was um, must have been a mighty relief for the Eagles fans when Doug Peterson finally yanked the ginger statue in the third quarter, down 20-3 to and replaced him with Jalen Hurts. And, and his first pass attempt, just to make... Wentz feel really, really great. It was a 34-yard bomb and a completion to Jalen Rager. Um, that was his, his first attempt as a, as a kind of as a quarterback not playing in a sort of gadget play, actually legitimately taking the ball. Um, and then a holding penalty by the, the man with more hair than Rapunzel, Isaac Sumalo, killed that first drive. And then going into the fourth quarter with a 20-point lead, Packers were absolutely kind of smiling. You could see Aaron Rodgers kind of relaxing. They're all just kind of chilling out. Everyone's smiling at each other on the sideline. And then suddenly, um, Hurts hits Greg Ward um, in the end zone, 32-yard touchdown on a fourth and 18. So when kind of literally everyone everyone's given up, um, the people that would have been in the stadium would have left by now. But there we go. Touchdown. And then... Packers go nowhere on the next drive and then punt. And then what happens? Jalen Rager 
returns the ball 73 yards for a touchdown. And suddenly, like Cheeseheads fans are going, what on earth's happening here? And then the next drive, Packers go three and out again. And you're thinking, oh, my God, what, what is happening here? And then mercifully, the the Smith brothers, um, Preston and Zadarius, um, combine for a sack on um, on Hertz and, and kind of stall that momentum. Otherwise, you know, it would have it, – it really could have absolutely flipped at that point. And then what comes was was arguably probably behind a Derrick Henry run or two, one of the best rushing touchdowns of this season or kind of any season really, which was Aaron Jones' um, 77-yard run. That was just a stunner of a touchdown, him kind of zigging and zagging all the way through and, and kind of that was it. And and then once that touchdown happened, it was all over. Hmm. Um and then I, I was kind of watching the post-game press conference with Doug Peterson, and he was asked after the game if Wentz has been looking over his shoulder, shoulder all season. And um, Peterson, don't forget, he won a Super Bowl just three years ago, said the question was too hard to answer. Oh, too hard to answer. Um, you know, <laughs> commit yourself, man. Just say yes or no. Um, so, in other words, yes, he has been looking over his shoulder all season. Um, I mean, you, you saw that play when, when Hertz threw the touchdown and Wentz kind of gave a little gentle clap on the sideline. But it was kind of like the clapping of a man on death rows, just locked eyes with the executioner. It kind of it wasn't exactly a pleasant clapping. Um, Wentz has been absolutely awful. The Eagles have been awful. Hertz really needs to start for the rest of the season to see if this is the man that the Eagles are going to start building around. I think, you know, pulling Carson Wentz is a big thing um, and Peterson knows what he's doing. But if you, you know, the stats don't lie for this season on Wentz. And I think it's time to give Hertz a bit of an outing and see what he can do. Um, you know, coming in down by 20 against the Packers in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers is not exactly the ideal way to start your NFL career. But Hertz didn't look intimidated and he, he gave it a real good go and he bought a spark for, you know, until that Aaron Jones touchdown, he had that spark going and it was, you know, it was things were turning around. It was quite scary. But, you know, let, let's pay respect where respect is due. Aaron Rodgers had another great game, 295 yards, three scores, two to Devontae Adams. Should have been three, in fact. And, and one to my boy, my tight end of the year, Mr. Robert Tonyan. Um, and yet, as you say, Tim, fastest quarterback to reach 400 touchdowns. And whilst I was talking about Kamara a couple of weeks ago for MVP, are we now bringing Aaron Rodgers into that MVP conversation? Uh, I don't think he's left it to be to be quite honest. But um, yeah, uh, just, just a quick one. On, I know um, me and Kieran had a, had a well, the probably fisticuffs to the to the level of the uh, the Bengals and the Dolphins a couple of weeks ago about Hurts and and went. So I come to him surely. But um, obviously, you've got the Saints uh, and the Packers uh, seeds one and two. Is is it just between those two for the number one seed, or do, uh, is obviously yeah, is the Rams and Seahawks at eight and four? No, this is this is definitely um, a race between the Packers and the Saints. I was looking up the schedule in terms of what's left, and strangely, they've both got one team that is actually they've they've shut their facilities down. It's it's the Panthers, 
They've um, they've just they've got eight players now out on on the COVID list. Um, DJ Moore and um, Curtis Samuel's kind of their their number one and number two receivers. So it's going to be a you know Robbie Anderson all the way. So if you you know he's about the only guy left catching balls. Um, if we look, if we just break down kind of those the, the two teams' remaining schedules and records at the moment, you've got Green Bay at nine and three. They've got the Lions. Um, they're home against the Panthers. They got the Titans, and then they go away to Chicago. So legitimately, I can see that That's them true, finishing yeah. twelve and four. Um, I can see them losing to the Titans. I can see them beating the Titans. But let's say we put them at twelve and four. Um, then, if we look at the Saints, ten and two, they've got Philadelphia away. They're at home to the Chiefs. They're at home to Minnesota, and then they travel to Carolina in Week Seventeen. So I've got them winning three out of those last four. So I put them at 13 and three. So I've got the Saints maintaining that number one seed. Um, that week 15 game against the Chiefs is absolutely massive, massive for both teams. It's, you know, the, the Chiefs still haven't secured the, the number one seed by any means, and they're going to need to win that big game. So I've got the Saints eking it out, but they're going to make it interesting by coming back late in week 17 against the Panthers, a late touchdown to win the game and get that number one seed. Hmm. So that's okay. my little prediction. Cool. Uh, just, just before we get to the NFC West update, is there anything you want to say on Jalen Hurts, Kieran? Because I know you're a Jalen Hurts guy. Um, or maybe just an anti, anti-Wentz look, guy. I don't, I don't want to be that guy I told you so, but I told you so. He no, came yeah, in... Well, what, you haven't told us anything. He, I said... Went sucks, put Hurts in. He came... Look, this guy's got a huge chip on his shoulder. He's played in national championships. He's been benched in national championships. He's had to transfer school just to get a chance to be a starter again, right? Now, he comes on, replaces probably the worst quarterback in the league right now, bar none. I think Wentz is worse than Dwayne Haskins, and that really is saying something. The whole team, he looked like he galvanised an energy... That whole team played better. They were terrible when Wentz was on the field. Hurts come on. They played better. They had a touchdown return. He threw an absolute dot into the end zone. His first completion was a back shoulder throw that looked absolutely fantastic. The only problem is Wentz is is in the owner's ear. So uh, Doug has to be very, very careful what he does when you've got a quarterback who's contract is like 150 million dollars or some garbage like that yeah yeah right above me um he's his contract is so much that doug peterson's got to be careful when benching him when everyone outside that organization knows that benching him is the right decision if i am the eagles right now i trade wentz for a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick just get out from under that contract in any way possible Get some more parts for your O-line. Get some more receivers. And maybe take the team back to an NFC championship. Hmm. <sighs> I mean, yeah, okay. Like, I'll, I'll give you. When Jalen Kurtz came in, I agree with Lawrence. It gave a spark to the team. Everyone was galvanised. And whether or not they, they feel that that's because he's the guy to take them forward, I do not know. But when you... The, the thing that Lawrence said at the very top, Wentz has been on his ass 50 times this season. Right, it doesn't matter who's behind that line; they're all going to get dropped on their ass. And, and yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. To, to, to be fair, to be fair, 
probably 25 of those sacks because he holds the ball. Yes, too long. yes. No, I, I, I get that. Line, but you can't blame the line for so much. Yeah, absolutely. But JJ, it doesn't matter. Even if even if half of those were Jalen with were Carson Wentz's fault, you can only do so much behind a, a, a crappy O line that's got more holes than a cheese grater. He came, yeah, he came in through some absolute diamonds, and I, I was impressed with the touchdown. Uh, was it throw to, to Greg Ward on the end, uh, towards the end of the end zone? I'm not. I don't. I don't watch a lot of college. I didn't really know too. I don't know too much about about Jalen Hurts. But all I know is it's, it's amazing. But when quarterbacks do come in or quarterbacks make their first start, there's no. There's not a lot of tape of him in the NFL. There's not a lot of tape on what he probably do, a lot of him does. But when there is, he's just going to hit the same wall that, that the, other, the other quarterbacks are going to hit. He, he might make a few plays. He might. He might not. Um, but I, I just don't see ceiling wise. They're not going. He's not going to do anything to uh, anything meaningful i agree the philadelphia eagles did get out of his contract no one's going to be buying that no one's even going to be going to be offering a six or seven no one's going to be willing to pay what what carson wentz is going to be commanding for a couple of years of his contract and we all know that going into uh to, to make super bowl runs you have to take advantage of rookie uh, rookie uh, quarterback deals so i totally get it i just i don't i don't say that uh, bringing jalen hurts is the wrong decision to bring him in i just don't think he's going to do any better behind uh, what are you trying to achieve you've got no no supporting cast you've got jalen rago who you threw a nice touchdown to but you've still got you know you're trying out all the tight ends you don't know what the what the hell they're doing dallas goddard's obviously a good one but they need to get rid of zach Ertz at some point the uh, running game is is they activated jordan howard they don't know what they're doing in the running game is those running back by a committee crap I just it just all comes to the top, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, head coaches and borrowed time in, uh, in a little bit. But uh, it's, it's, it's just let's just until uh, until Wentz is out of that uh, quarterbacks that that slot there, the, the Eagles are the Eagles are in trouble, and Doug Peterson's in trouble. It's um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's great because it makes great content because obviously everyone's going to have their own opinions, and the Eagles Twitter is fun at the best of times. Um, but let's move let's move away from the NFC. Let's go to the NFC West, uh, Kieran, because again, uh, another reshuffling of the deck in terms of positioning. Uh, Rams beating the Cardinals thirty-eight to twenty-eight in this one, knocking Arizona to the eight seed. Uh, is that them done now at six and six? Uh, obviously, this was a seventeen fourteen going into the fourth quarter, uh, and then they shared thirty-five points. But it was the Rams that won it, uh, essentially with a Troy Hill pick. Six late in the fourth. Yeah, I would have said Rams running game looked spectacular. Yeah, it was man. they just they just went off this game and Cam Akers looked fantastic. He had a great touchdown as well as I forget I forget his first name, Daryl Henderson, I think it is. Yeah. He looked fantastic as well. But look, I said this before the season and I don't want to be there we go, we've got the Cam Akers shoe. That's worth more this week. Does it, does it smell good, mate? <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we look i said before the season i don't like cliff kingsbury as a coach i know everyone's now wants the new you know 18 year old can't really grow facial hair sort of coordinators and coaches in the i'm not one to talk uh these young guys in the league <laughs> everyone loves them the floor mcveigh cliff kingsbury and I think Cliff Kingsbury is the worst of this sort of new breed of coaches. He came off a losing season at Texas Tech. Uh, and he's got this weird air raid style offense that is kind of similar to like Mike Leach and other college guys. And I think it translates to an extent in the NFL. But when you've got the talent he has on that team, you should have a way better record. I think... That team works better with a West Coast offense, a more traditional coaching scheme, and just let the players run to their talents. Instead, 
Look, Kyler's got a big arm, but you can't expect him to air it out the way he does every single game. In terms of top level quarterbacks this season, he has a decent amount of interceptions. And I know that's kind of like risk reward type thing, but I just think I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is the right coach for this Cardinals team because if they had a coach like Sean McVay or Bill Belichick or just one of these guys that really is a genius in the way they game plan, I think they would probably be like 10 and 2 right now. They are extraordinary. So, yeah, NFC West is a very interesting division because it is very talented besides, you know, the 49ers are not having... We'll see how they get on later, but the 49ers got a major Super Bowl hangover, lost a bunch of players to injuries. But besides that, it has a very, very talented division. And with what the Cardinals have on paper, I think they should be better. I know... Look, Cliff... Cliff Cliff Kingsbury's had two years with Kyler now. He should be seeing that Kyler's great. I'm not saying he's not, but they should be doing more than they're doing. They shouldn't be sat at 500. They should have a winning record and they should be top of that division besides maybe the Rams because Sean McVay is just an offensive genius and his defense is one of the best in the league. It's, the NFC West just for me is... Look, it's not the NFC least, but... Never end of that, mate. <laughs> but but you've got the Rams sort of. I know the Seahawks are eight and four, but they are not a good team. I, I, I I'm gonna have to go back on everything I've said the previous weeks. They are not a good team. That defense is terrible. That defense is hurting them so much. And they added some big weapons like Jamal Adams and stuff, but it's just not enough. Uh, and I don't think the card. You know, get rid of Cliff Kingsbury. You'll be better. Seahawks. Rebuild your defense. You'll be better. And the Rams just need to keep doing what they're doing because they've looked fantastic all season. We saw that in the win over the Bucks. They know how to game plan. So this this division, when the season started, I was very, very excited about. I thought this may be the toughest division in football. I'm not going to say <laughs> AFC North because I honestly thought that was going to be a terrible division this year. I thought the Ravens were just going to run it. But... uh it's turned out completely differently. That division is now the most competitive in football with the Browns, Ravens and the frauds trying to, you know, vie for a playoff position. And now you've got the NFC West that I thought was going to be the best division in football. Really, really middling because the Seahawks have got a record they don't deserve. The Cardinals have got a record that doesn't reflect how much talent the team has. The 49ers have, you know, a bunch of players missing limbs at this point. Uh, and the Rams are just running away with it. It's it's they're the only really team worth their salt in this division. It's I look forward to next week when it's all flipped on its head and the Seahawks on on top and the Rams are third and all the rest of it. But uh, well, and they're not going to be third, but you know you know you know what I mean. But talk us talk us through obviously the Seahawks. Then uh, obviously they they got upset by the, uh, by the by the Giants knocking me out of survivor pools absolutely everywhere, including the full ten yards one. Well done to uh, not the Sean's uh, sitting next to me, but the, one of the one of our talented writers. Um, yeah, what was the final score in this one? I haven't got it in front of me. It was. Seventeen to twelve to the Giants. There we go. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at seedings, it's not really, it's not really an upset, is it? Because the Giants are the fourth seed. I jest, of course. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I tell you what, though, that Giants defense is. Uh, yeah, the, the Seahawks would love to have that Giants defense, wouldn't they, uh, Kieran? Yeah, is it? I think it was Sean who said in in the the group that the Giants defense sort of shown up to uh, 
make a playoff run as they do every every few years. We saw it in 2011, 2007. They they kind of just turn up late in the season and, and make a playoff bid. And that might happen again, which is... Imagine if they did that behind Colt McCoy. The Browns would be furious. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a quarterback who... He's not a good quarterback, but he's a very good game manager. Mean, meanwhile, I was saying that about um, Baker Mayfield two weeks ago. So, But yeah, Colt McCoy came in. His completion percentage was horrible. But he moved the ball when they needed it moved. Obviously, Wayne Gorman, 135 yards, really just said, hey, Saquon, you're not having your job back when you get healthy. But uh, yeah, the passing game really, really wasn't much to speak about. It, CJ moved... Uh, CJ Colt McCoy, sorry, moved the ball around when it needed to be moved around. And, you know, Russell Wilson had the same passing uh, touchdowns to interception rate as Colt. So, uh, <laughs> it's the, yeah, you know, it's bad when Colt McCoy is carving up your defense. A man who, when he gets sneeze on too hard, he will go unconscious. So, <laughs> you know, it was one of those games that was really, really ugly to watch and really unappealing football game. But you think, eh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, and yeah, I, Giants well-deserved win, honestly. The Seahawks really need to be embarrassed with themselves after this because this is, like I said, this was like watching two Sunday League teams have a kickabout. Everyone looked hungover. Everyone kind of, you know, had a few too many pies the night before and, you know... <laughs> Too many shandies and a few too many hey, cigarettes. Hey, hey, well, well, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything more about shandies. Um, they, <laughs> yeah, it looked it, both teams looked like they just didn't want to be there. Uh, and you know, Giants well deserved win. They are now the top seat, top team in the NFC least. What four seed in the NFC? Imagine your division is so bad you can be the four seed at five and seven. Imagine, imagine. Oh uh, not, uh, I'm not, in, you know, in all seriousness, huge, absolutely huge win for the uh, for the state of that that division. But uh, Lawrence, you were yeah, you had it. just just a just a little shout out to a guy who I reckon ninety nine point nine nine percent recurring of any fantasy player of the entire season. Um, if anyone picked Alfred Morris on their fantasy team, I want to meet them and shake their hand. And don't forget that this is the same Alfred Morris that has got um, in his wardrobe, he's got he's got a Washington shirt, he's got a Dallas shirt. You know, he's 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 trying to complete like the entire NFC East. So he's got to be signed by the Eagles next season as their their short yardage back. And you know, hell they need one. So you might as well like do all four. So yeah, just just a little tiny shout out because we're not going to be talking about Alfred Morris again for the rest of the season, <laughs> if not ever. So just you know, well done to Alf for his little little special two touchdown cameo. Hmm. It was yeah, and if anyone doesn't know about these, uh, there's a story about one. His car, he always kept his first car up until a couple of years ago. Um, go 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 and search that one on Google. It's a good story to uh, to go and read. Uh, in answer to Ross Sterling, how is Mister Unlimited MVP going? Uh, not very well, Ross. Not very well. 
Um, let's wrap up the rest of the games. And um, I, I put this section as a, the get out of jail free wild cards, a uh, little Monopoly theme on there. I don't know if anyone noticed that. But uh, yeah, Valky- Vikings and Raiders, obviously uh, thick in the uh, the playoff hunt in terms of wild card aspirations. Um, get, getting away with it, uh, to be quite honest. Both teams, Vikings needing two overtime possessions uh, to get over the plucky Jags up to now the number seven seed uh, overall. And I tell you what, uh, Adam Thielen and Jay Jeff keep going the way they're going. Uh, and they're adding, obviously, the uh, the hard running game of, of Davin Cook. They are uh, 32 attempts for Davin Cook on the ground. They are going to be uh, quite difficult to stop if, if their defense can bend but not break. Uh, but Mike Glennon for the Jags. Um, looking as if it was going to be a massive win uh, away, and it did look like it was going to actually be a hindrance. With you know, at the time, the Jets were winning against the Raiders. Um, he he goes and marches down the field, down eight uh, with the two point conversion as well, two take it to overtime. Uh, but then he goes and throws a pick as well, almost as if he was told to. Uh, but they obviously stay at one win. And then uh, the Raiders kind of pull the rugs under the Jets' carpet, don't they? Woo. Um, yeah, staying at naught wins for the Jets. Uh, Greg Williams obviously been fired since the aftermath of that. Adam Gase, yes, still in his post. Um, I wonder how many seconds after the number one overall pick is confirmed for the Jets that he gets booted out of the Netherlands. Uh, but 31 to 28, the final in this one after a 46 yarder from Derek Carr to said Henry Ruggs. Obviously, the first round pick, first wide receiver off the board in the 2020 draft. Um, I couldn't, I don't think he would have been more wide open if he was on the moon, to be quite honest. Um, just uh, oh, yeah, just calling all out blitz and the cover zero on the final play of the game. Sod it, why not? Um, but Jets yeah, gave it a good go. Ty Johnson and Sam Donald uh, had the Raiders on the ropes for for, for pretty much the whole game, uh, to be quite honest. But it, it has to be said, the Raiders, after their shellacking last week against the Falcons, they are currently seven and five, uh, eighth seed looking on uh, from the outside looking in. Uh, they do not look convincing. They need a Colts, a Dolphins, or a Titans slip up, I think, to make the uh, to make the wild card and January football. But it can all change. Say so this week, this time, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were we were talking of the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders as um, being you know. A decent, a de- decent team or a tough team to, to play in January, but uh, obviously not looking that way. And now, uh, other couple of games to get on with. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the the shutout in Los Angeles, shall we? Um, Forty-five to zero, New England Patriots. I mean, uh, I said this to the po- on the podcast on Saturday with Adam. I couldn't understand why it was only minus. The, the Patriots were, I think, was it minus one or they were plus one? They it flipped, and I just could not understand. I could not understand that 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 one at all. And uh, <laughs> Anthony Lynn. Uh, I, Kieran, is he is he on borrowed time? <laughs> he he might be out of there because I like Anthony Lynn. Let's make no bones about it; he's a great coach. Hmm. But with the talent he's got, hmm. I think maybe give him another season because Justin is a rookie. You got to cut the kid some slack. He is a rookie, and I don't think you should necessarily fire a coach if he's having a bad year of a rookie quarterback. I don't I don't think that's necessarily fair. But that being said, both Cam Newton and Jarrett Stidham both had more touchdown passes than Justin Herbert. We, <laughs> look, I've been saying this. Stidham's the new starter for us. King Stidham, two for three and a touchdown, 61 yards. <laughs> Cam Newton, 12 for 19. Do you know how many yards Cam Newton went for through the air? 10. 69 altogether, gentlemen. One, two, three. Nice. (laughs) Damon Harris as well. 80 yards on the ground. Cam Newton had two rushing touchdowns. Gunnar Oshevsky as well. One reception, 38 yards and a touchdown. And obviously the return was 
fantastic, but the Chargers couldn't get anything going. I mean, Herbert went for 209 yards, but he also threw two picks. And their ground game was kept, you know, just under 70 yards almost. I think it was actually dead on 70 yards. So it was bad, bad game for them. Mm. And I don't know whether it was the Patriots' defensive game planning because it definitely wasn't our offense. That was that was bad. But we, you know, JC Jackson seven consecutive pick. Chase Winovich as well had a pick. Chase Winovich is cementing himself as one of the top linebackers in the league right now. He comes off the edge great. He plays in coverage as well. I think. There's not much Anthony Lynn could have done this game, I think, really. Because when you when you look at Belichick's record versus uh, rookie quarterbacks, it is exceptional. And w- especially with rookie quarterbacks, even if they've played a full four years at college, you're not going to understand the defensive looks in the NFL as well as you are in college unless you maybe play Alabama every week. Because they're like the only college team that really run like a defense, like a pro defensive scheme with a lot of exotic looks, a lot of different covers, clouds, unders, overs, and all of this stuff. So I'm surprised Justin Herbert didn't get on the board. But also, I say what Nate Diaz said when he he beat Conor McGregor. I'm not surprised, mother flippers. I'm not surprised it was a blowout. But I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Um, But yeah. Patriots defense is back. Chargers can bounce back. They have a lot of talent on that team. So I think we will see Chargers pick up a couple more wins this season. They'll be scrappy and they'll be fighty and they'll be tough. But I I don't think they'll lay another goose egg this season. And I think might see, if we're lucky, Patriots make the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen. Stop it. I'll have to bleep that out. I need to get a a live bleeper. Um, (laughs) 20 years in a row? Is it 20 or or is it 19? I don't know. It's 20, right? I'm not, not a Patriots fan. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I have a question for Sean at the end of this, but we'll come to Lawrence first. So I just want to uh, say, mention, um, uh, Kieran mentioned there, obviously, about Bill Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks. But Justin Herbert's recent performances, uh, many are keeping a call ever since he's had the much maligned haircut. Um, 26 of 53 in this one for 209, like uh, Kieran said, two interceptions, uh, 31 of 52 for one touchdown and one interception versus Buffalo. And they didn't play, didn't play the Jets very well either. And that's obviously the AFC East in the last three or four games. Um, any any particular reason why Justin Herbert's hit a bit of a wall? Oh, I mean, I think Kieran's really summed it up. I mean, if you if you come across, if you go from college, if you look at kind of his, his college touchdown to interception ratio, in four seasons, 95 touchdowns, 23 interceptions when he was in Oregon. Um, you know, he's, he's he has seized his opportunity since two, since um, the trainer tried to stab Tyrod Taylor to death with a syringe. Um, he's, he's passed for 3,224 yards, 23 touchdowns. Up until week 13, unlucky for some, he'd actually thrown a touchdown in every game. So this was a there was a number of firsts in this game. It was the first time that he hadn't thrown a touchdown. It was the first time he hadn't had a rushing attempt in a game. He's not a rushing quarterback by any means. He is a pure pocket passer, but you know, he he has got a little bit of, you know, wheels underneath him, but he didn't he didn't attempt a single run and the the scariest statistic out of all of them wasn't even the picks. It was the fact he was held under 50% um of his passes 
So that was, it was just the Patriots defense was just, just played phenomenally. And yeah, I had them in most of my DraftKings lineup. They were dirt cheap. And, you know, what did they get? 30, 30 points, I think it was. I mean, crazy. So yeah, I, I was, I was, I was well on the Patriots defense um, before this massive blowout. So I'll pat myself on the back for that one. Um, I mean, aside from scraping past the Jets, Herbert has actually lost, they've lost five out of the last six games. Um, and what makes it a little bit scary for this, you know, phenomenal rookie quarterback, in the last three games, he's been asked to throw 154 passes. 154 passes in three games for a rookie. That's just bonkers. And and he's coming up to that kind of, it's the wall time, that rookie wall, about kind of getting there and, and outstretching your normal amount of games that you play in a year. Yes, that you know, you know, Kieran, you might say the rookie wall does it does it not exist? But you know, there gets a point where people are starting to get a little bit tired. Um, and in that period of those last three games, those last three losses, he's managed just four touchdowns, three interceptions. So his pace has just kind of gone down. But it's bizarre because this is a an LA team that could end up finishing nine and seven, sorry, seven and nine, or they can, could end up finishing three and 13. You can't quite tell. You can't, can't, can't put your finger on what the charges actually are at the moment. I mean, look at, look at what they did earlier on in the season. They took the chiefs and the saints to overtime and barely lost, you know, the, the two kind of, you know, two out of the top four teams in the entire NFL took them to overtime um, but now they've suffered their two biggest defeats in a row and they've lost by a combined 55 points in their last two games. So things aren't looking particularly good, but you can't put this on Herbert entirely in terms of his performance. That special teams of the Patriots scored twice. And and when your punt returner actually scores a 38-yard receiving touchdown, that's it. You just know it is not your day. And and when and, and as Kieran said, when your offense has been sort of spluttering through the game and you you win by forty five, then yeah, big big problems. I mean, we know the Chargers have got their future quarterback. They've just got to do a a, a much better job with the you know recruiting the supporting cast to go with it now. Yeah. And uh, I'd say Ian David there on the comments says uh, they need to say bye to Mr. Lynn. So um, I have a question for you, Sean. Obviously, he's been waiting there very patiently. Um, obviously, we talked about Doug Pedersen's on, on borrowed time, obviously maybe dealing one of his last cards in the pack in, in Jalen Hurts, putting him out there. Um, my question to you is, who lasts longer, Doug Pedersen or Anthony Lynn? Uh, I think they both last to the end of the season now. I don't see any reason why you're going to make a change. I think if they were going to do it, you know, in terms of Anthony Lynn, it would have happened last night. I don't see why... You're now going to do it part way through this week. I think it would have been an instant reaction if it was going to happen. Um, I can I can see both of them being moved on from. To be completely honest, I I was in complete disagreement really in terms of most of what you said there for a change. We usually agree on most things, but I'm not a huge Anthony Lynn fan at all. You know, yeah, okay, he's got a rookie quarterback this year. Last year, his excuse was he got the oldest quarterback in the league. Um, you know, so at some point you just have to accept the fact that you know he may well be a nice guy and he comes across as a genuinely nice guy. Um, but is he a good coach? Does he put his players in the best position to actually get the wins? I would argue not. Um, you know, Leo, resident Chargers fan, often complains about the play calling. I don't claim to watch 
tons of Chargers football, but every time I do sort of tune in and, get, and sort of catch highlights or see them in drives, you sort of question some of the things that you do see. Um, you know, and ultimately, yeah, they, they push teams close. You know, they're, they're in close games, but, you know, they, they always say, don't they, that you know, the best sides find a way to pull out those close wins. The Chargers have proved now, unfortunately, not just this season. The reason they've got Justin Herbert was they were in the sixth slot in the draft last year. That suggests that they were pretty poor last year as well. Um, you know, for me, they are what they are. I think they're more likely to finish 3-13 and 13 than, you know, 9-7 and seven or whatever the equation is that somebody threw up there. I mean, they, they may well fall somewhere in the middle, but, you know, for me, they will still continue to lose more than what they, they win. Um, you know, I think the future is bright with Justin Herbert. Um, you know, I'll question why they left him in the game yesterday. Down 30-odd points. He's obviously rattled. You know, every, every quarterback is going to go through a bit of a learning phase, you know, and, the worst thing for me that they could have done that yesterday was just basically keep throwing him out there into the fire, um, you know, to to essentially expose him to a risk of injury and, and all the rest of it. They should have just sat him down on the bench and said, look, it's not happening this week. Bill Belichick's done this to many a rookie quarterback. You'll have another day, you know, come and sit down. Um, and that for me, look, he's why Anthony Lee is certainly on borrowed time. If you said to me out of the two of them, which one should go first, you know, if there was a pecking order, I'd say Lynn should be the one to go first. Pedersen's going to get a bit of a pass because of his um, Super Bowl victory from a few years ago. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, it's a what have you done for me lately league. So both are in are in real dire straits, aren't they? And you know, I would not be surprised at all if both of them uh, were shown the exit door pretty quickly once the season's finished. Uh, MP1023 obviously says the uh, Chargers will be dangerous when healthy. I think that needs to be added onto the end then by saying when <laughs> Anthony Lynn will also, uh, maybe that's for next season when Anthony Lynn is not there. But thanks to you. Thank, thanks to everyone that's getting in touch on the socials to say anyone, anything that can prop up, we will uh, we'll pop it up there and have a little chat. But let's get through the rest of the games then. Uh, a couple of games left to get through. Chiefs, uh, second team at clinching their playoff berth uh, this uh, for the offseason, be- beating Denver 22 to 16, despite a spirited effort from Melvin Gordon, who 15 rushes, 131 yards, included a couple of biggies uh, as well. So fair props to him. Um, Sean, quick one: are they, are they still the team to beat in the NFL, the Chiefs, or you, do, you, do you like uh, the, the Saints or the Packers at the moment? I, thought, I know you said that in the AFC you liked them over the obviously second to the uh, first to the Browns. Uh, sorry, second to the Browns. Uh, but what's all about for the whole NFL? <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, for, for me, the Chiefs are still the team to beat. Um, you know, I think they're the most complete team they you know, they showed in that first quarter against Tampa Bay last year. They have the ability to blow teams away, um, you know, and when needed, they can win ugly also. I, I, I really like the Chiefs. I think, you know, they obviously in an incredibly fortuitous position to essentially bring back a repeat team from the winners of a year ago, which, you, never, you know, it never happens, does it? You know, there's always somebody that, that moves on or whatever. It's essentially the same lineup, you know, if anything possibly improved in terms of the running back position. So, you know, for me, certainly the Chiefs still the one to beat overall. Yep. That's fair enough, uh, and then uh, to the um, what's going the second the second iteration I hear is on the uh, Anthony Joshua undercard next week. It's the Bengals versus the uh, Miami Dolphins. I don't know if anyone's going to be buying tickets to that. I certainly won't be because there wasn't a lot of fists. There was more. I don't really know what it was. It wasn't even handbags, was it? It was kind of little tote bags, tote bag. I suppose it was tote bag fights at, at ten paces. Um, but yeah, uh, Kieran, you look like a guy that likes his UFC and he's fighting and he's boxing. You're going to buy if this was on the undercard next week for Anthony Joshua. And, whoever whatever dustman he's he's fighting would you would you buy tickets 
What, what gave it away? The trashy tattoos or the scarred knuckles? That I like fights. <laughs> um, no. You live in America. We need... You'd be <laughs> um, you, you need to... I think, at this point, let the guys fight. So, at the beginning of the season, I went to watch... <laughs> the t- the t- I went to watch the Toledo Walleyes hockey team. Right? The minor league hockey team. Just let them fight. Two guys get in a scuffle... Let them punch each other out. Take them out for the next five plays or whatever. Let them serve a mini suspend. Let them get back in there. Football is a violent game. Football is an emotional game. You should let these guys just throw a couple... Throw helmets if you want. Be my guest. That's stupid. But yeah, it was just a stupid little scuffle. No one should have got ejected. This wasn't, you know, Cortland Finnegan versus Johnson. It it was not... uh, you know, just let the guys have a little scuffle, slap them on the wrist, let them get back in the game. Uh, I think that's part of, you know, part part of the sport is high emotions and there's a lot of violence. So I think they should have just let it go. But that side note, the weirdest thing about that hockey game I watched wasn't the fact they let the players fight. It's the fact that when the walleye scored, people threw dead walleye fishes onto the ice. So, okay. welcome to America. Any, any, any more reason to go and watch a hockey game in... Where, where was that? In Toledo, did you say? Toledo, Glass Toledo. City, yeah. which yeah. I thought was, you know, because of the drug problem. Apparently, they just used to make a lot of glass in back in the 40s. There you go. Anyone wants to go and watch ice hockey, I suggest you go to go visit Toledo. I'm sure Kieran will put you up for the night. And uh, the last game of the... the uh, to, to round up, Lions rebounding against the Bears. Mentioned it on the Saturday podcast, the betting. It's, it's amazing what happens to a team when a head coach gets fired. Bears still in absolute free fall, although Trubisky and the boys pretty much threw that one away. Uh, was it with a fourth down stop? And then the Lions did, uh, did the rest. Matt Nagy, another one that's probably uh, on the hot seat there with Anthony Lynn and Doug Pedersen. Uh, seems though uh, Lawrence wants to go and watch his beloved Baltimore, sorry, I mean Washington football team. Let's get some winners and losers then. Uh, we'll start off with Sh- uh, we'll start with Lawrence. What, what's your who is your winner? Who's your winner for the week? My winner this week is the Colts. I think their victory over the Texans keeps them in the playoff hunt. Um, and as we speak right this second, they've got a two-game lead over the Patriots and the Ravens. They welcome Jonathan Taylor back, who got 135 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. DeForest Buckner was back with two sacks. Um, they the defensive line just absolutely stepped up, um, and they held the Texans, who, who have been performing pretty admirably over the last couple of weeks, to zero points in the second half. Yes, there was a drive right at the end, but they held them to a goose egg in the second half. And I don't think you're going to see many NFL games where the second half total points scored was two, which one of the bizarrest stat lines of the season. Um, and I just want to give a tiny, tiny little shout out to tiny, tiny Kiki Kuti, um, receiver who had a career high 141 yards and, and won me some cold, hard cash. And if you followed me on Twitter, in the morning, I actually said some very nice things about Kiki Kuti and posted a little gif of him. So mm. there you go. Yeah, indeed. And your loser? My loser is the Cardinals. Um, we've talking about this. I think the gloss has absolutely well and truly come off the beaks of the Cardinals. They lost their third in a row and their fourth in five. Jalen Ramsey had another absolutely monster the game for the Rams, holding Nuke Hopkins to 
under eight yards a catch. And in fact, if we look at Nuke Hopkins' stat line over the last three games, he's had a total of 158 yards receiving and one touchdown. He hasn't gone over 55 yards for the last three games. And we were talking about him as an all-pro um, about a month ago and about how outstanding he was. He's been pretty, pretty quiet in the last three weeks. Um, admittedly, the Cardinals have had a really, really tough five-week stretch. Dolphins, Bills, Seahawks, Patriots and Rams. That is a harsh, harsh set of games. Um, the, the loss to LA was the worst defensive display they've put on for about a month. And, um, and the defeat and a late Vikings win has pushed them out of the playoffs if they started today. And the remainder of the schedule is not easy for the Cardinals. Um, they're travelling to the Giants. They've got games against the 49ers and a rematch with the Rams in Week 17. So, yeah, I'm, my loser is the Cardinals this week. Lovely, lovely stuff. Sean, winner and loser? Um, talked about it earlier on, mate. I think, you know, for me, we, you know, talked plenty of brands out, so I'm not going to repeat what I said. So, going to go with... Baker Mayfield, I think, you know, shut the critics up this weekend. Um, you know, four touchdowns in the first half, the first Browns quarterback to do that since Otto Graham back in 1951. Um, so, yeah, Baker Mayfield for me, the winner. Loser for me would be, specifically, I'm going to go with the Chargers special teams. Um, you know, special teams often in a game that, well, by Kieran's own admission, even as a Patriots fan, the Patriots offense did nothing. Special teams is often the the deciding factor when you give up block field goals, returns for touchdowns, you give up punt return for touchdowns, um, you miss field goals. You know, Michael Badgley has been horrendous again this year, um, you know, for the Chargers. And he's another one I'm amazed he's still got a job. Kickers get cut left, right and centre. So, hey, Michael Badgley keeps his job. God only knows. But, uh, yeah, specifically for me, the Chargers special teams. Lovely stuff. And then, Kieran, round us off with your winner and loser. Was going to go for winner uh, Patriots special teams, but I'm actually going to go for the <laughs> New York Jets because they are still number one uh, going after Trevor Lawrence, the most beautiful hair in college football. And uh, for loser, I am going to go with the Denver Broncos because I expected a lot, lot more from them. They are a very talented team. Just, just couldn't put. I know it's the Chiefs, but they just couldn't put it together. Thanks, yeah, fair enough. Indeed. Uh, Diesel, D's, no, I'm not going to say all of that, but uh, Derek Henry is his uh, loser this week as well. I assume that is in fantasy, but fair fair enough. Anyone else there with uh, any winners and losers before we round out of here, we'll put those up. But we're going to round off as we always do with a stat. So I've given you one stat each to to impress me with this week. Uh, no Dallas ones coming this week, obviously, because they played tomorrow night against the Ravens. So Lawrence, we'll start with you. What you got? Darren Waller. We haven't even given Darren Waller a shout this week. Mm. He had an absolutely monster game, game for the ages. 13 catches, 200 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, I always got to throw a question back at you guys. Even though my beloved team are on, on the screen, I can watch them and talk at the same time. <laughs> um, by the way, Ben Roethlisberger threw first, first play of the game. He tried to hit James Washington for about 50 yards, but it was incomplete. So mercy me. Um, so where does Darren Waller's game in week 13 put him in terms of the top 10 all-time PPR points for a fantasy tight end in a game since 1950? I'm going so to go with 10. 
I'm going to go with the Len, Len, uh, seven from Len. Seven. Seven. Second. Sean. Fourth. Fourth. None of you were correct, but you were close there. It was sixth. Ah. Um, the top, actually, is former Chargers tight end, Kellen Winslow, who just got to give a little bit of retro life here. 1981. He also had 13 catches, 144 yards, and five touchdowns. Yeah, five I remember them, touchdowns I remember them against the Raiders. And in fact, Winslow's Chargers were down 21 14 in the second before he caught four consecutive touchdowns in the second and third and got the final in the fourth on a 55 21 route. So there we go. There we go as he peers down to what watch his Washington, his, his beloved we Washington football team. Drive. <laughs> so I'm a happy man already. There we go. All right. Um, Kieran, what's your, your stat for the week? Travis Kelsey is the first tight end in the Super Bowl era with 1,100 receiving yards in his first 12 games of the season. Can anyone tell me? who the prior Super Bowl era tight end was who hold it, held the record through 12 games before this season. Tony Gonzalez. I can, uh, I can tell you it was Travis Kelsey because I've got the exact same stat written down. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Sure, sure got it. Travis Kelsey in 2018, uh, 1,082 yards through 12 games. So I think we are watching uh, a Hall of Famer. Indeed, yeah, and just uh, say there are two tight end, uh, two tight end th- themes there. Obviously, yeah, did, we didn't really give uh, Darren Moore any any uh, any love, but anyone uh, in these fantasy teams, I'd be surprised if you lost this week. So, uh, but so there we go. But uh, Sean, he's stolen your thunder. You got have you got a backup? I, I did have a backup, mate. So yeah, let's let's kick the charges whilst they're down. The uh, the charges defeat on Sunday was actually the heaviest defeat they have suffered in franchise history. Their previous biggest loss was a 43-point defeat when they went down 49-6 when they were then the San Diego Chargers way back, Lawrence, in 1964. don't know if you remember the game, but yeah, 1964. That was the uh, heaviest defeat in Chargers history up until a 45-point defeat yesterday. There you go. All right, I'll check in a bit. That, place, that might not be the case. Ooh, he's getting... Oh, he's, he's, I might be calling you out on that one. He's calling him out. He's, you are calling him out. Um, whilst you're flicking, whatever you're flicking through, I'm just going to give a bit of love to Devante Adams. He joins uh, Randy Moss, Terrell Rollins, Marvin Harrison, and twice for the Jerry Rice uh, as, the first, as, a, as a player to have 100,000 uh, receiving yards and 12 touchdowns in the first 10 games of the season. Uh, those other four players, all Hall of Famers. So maybe uh, Devante Adams, what a season he's having. Maybe he will be joining them uh, at some point, no doubt. Um, but that is pretty much going to do it for the podcast. Thank you all so much for join us before we get out of here guys we're just going to do a quick round table obviously washington pittsburgh are currently in play but we're going to go i'll I'll give you the games you give me one word answers on who is going to win washington pittsburgh sean washington kieran washington lawrence (laughs) jesus christ uh you might as well put that shirt on behind you number 81 jesus uh right okay let's go around uh, buffalo san francisco obviously monday night football sean san francisco Buffalo, and it's not even close. You know, Josh, Mr. Josh Allen over there in the bottom right-hand corner, Lawrence. Buffalo. Buffalo. And then finally, rounding us off, uh, I know I know where this one's going. Dallas at Baltimore, Sean. Dallas. Kieran. Uh, the Ben DiNucci Cowboys. Jesus Christ. And Lawrence. The Ravens are going to put 50 on you. 
Oh, talking about that next week. Uh, just out of interest, yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson has just been activated off uh, COVID. Yeah, whatever it is. as has Calais Campbell, as has J.K. Dobbins. Just you wait. Honestly, it's going to be if fun. Lamar, if Lamar is back, Tim, I double down on Dallas. Oh, uh, make sure you join in uh, next week's shenanigans on Monday at nine o'clock. No, no. We'll be, no, no. We'll be, That'll be the first game we talk about, ladies and gents. There's going to be fisticuffs uh, of the similar of similar no to, fisticuffs. to the Miami and Bowman Ginger Bengals Prince game. will be lying on his back sunbathing. No, so it's going to be fisticuffs of, of the same milk of the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals game yeah. between all of us. So make sure you come and join us. Make sure you come plastic and join the fun. Bags, handbags made of thank, plastic. Yeah. Thank, thank you for uh, for joining us. You can get us at 14 yards on the Twitter. We'll be back same time, same place next week. But in the meantime, in the great words of Kevin Cato, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com